Hello, you listen to uh, On Israeli Non Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Some of our listeners may not know this, uh, but the current Israeli government is the first one ever to include an Arab party. And not just any Arab party, Israel's Islamist party. While this has won Israel a wide praise in the Middle East and elsewhere, it's causing the government endless headaches at home. Both the opposition and some of the coalition parties are unhappy. It turns out that not everyone is uh, wowed by the fact that the religious, kosher-eating, Sabbath-keeping Jew wears a kippah on his head and supports settlements in the West Bank is sharing power with an Arab Islamist party. The way it's uh, looking now, Naftali Bennett's government is deadlocked. Conservative right-wing pundits and uh, analysts insist that Knesset member Mansour Abbas, the head of the Islamist Ra'a party, speaks with a forked tongue. He sounds reasonable uh, and pleasant when speaking Hebrew in front of the cameras and microphones, but completely different when he talks Arabic to his Islamist base. They argue that the alliance he forged with the Jewish state is a temporary ad hoc arrangement whose only goal is to gain power in order to advance the interests of the Muslim Brotherhood, weaken Israel, and turn it into a state of all its citizens, not just the Jewish state, with equal rights and equal standing for Arabs and Jews. Even Turkish President Erdogan, whose party is ideologically affiliated with the Israeli Ram Party, is impressed by this new Israeli coalition but its opponents at home are not to be convinced. To them, Abbas is a Trojan horse, a fifth column speak, is seeking a hostile takeover from within. One of the leading experts in the, this group is uh, Reserve Lieutenant uh, Colonel Jonathan V. Halevi, a senior researcher at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs and a former military intelligence officer specializing in the Middle East and uh, radical Islam. Mr. Alevi is also leading a, a documentation project uh, on uh, anti-Semitic and anti-Israel uh, campaigns in Canada. He'll be with us shortly. Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell, I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let El Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to El Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts along with first-class reporting and analysis.
Now I'm uh, privileged uh, to welcome and say hello uh, to uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Reserve uh, and a senior researcher at the Jerusalem Center for Public Affairs and a former military intelligence officer, uh, Jonathan D. Halevi. How are you, Jonathan? Thank you for joining us here in, uh, on Israel in Al Monitor. Shalom. Thank you for having me. And uh, so let's, uh, let's go on because... Uh, uh, your opinion, we are here, we gather, gathered here to, to hear your opinion, and, and when I'm talking to you, I see in my, in my uh, uh, TV screen on, uh, in Israel, Mansour Abbas uh, is in, interviewed by, uh, by uh, Rina Matzliach in Meet the Press, so now I'm, uh, having, uh, I'm holding the stick on both ends, and I want to ask you first and foremost, okay. do you see the Ram parties in inclusion in the government as a strategic failure, endangering Israel's identity as a Jewish state? Um, I think we have to look, to look into this question from a different perspective, uh, from Abbas' own perspective. And Abbas said very recently in an in, in interview to the Washington Institute that joining the coalition is um, threatening or enhancing the legitimacy, give, give legitimacy to Israel as a Jewish and democratic state. So you say, he, he, did he say it in, a, in a Arabic interviews? He said that in an interview with the Washington Institute, and that he said in Hebrew, it was also translated into English. It was about a week ago. So do you think we have here a case like we, we suffered in the past, like Yasser Arafat is not terrorist, Abbas, but I, you, I, I guess you remember when Arafat was speaking in Arabic one thing and the, the totally vice versa in English or Hebrew to the, the Americans or the Israelis. Do you think it's a double standard, that double-faced Abbas? We have, if you look into the uh, statements made by um, uh, Mansour Abbas uh, in Arabic, and that was my research was about, to analyze his statements during the last decade and try to understand what is, uh, on what his policy is based on. And what I found that there are two levels. One is pragmatism, no one can deny that, and also Islamism which also it cannot be denied. And the challenge was to, you know, to reconcile between these two ages, um, because uh, is his sincere about pragmatism or it just only tactic in order to reach uh, to, his, uh, um, to his goals. And this was uh, a very interesting research. And what I found that he said this very clearly, even after joining the coalition, that he still based his agenda, his political platform on the basis of Islam, on the experience of uh, Prophet Muhammad, on Hudaybiyah agreement, on all of these uh, uh, the policies of the Prophet Muhammad in which he can do the ijtihad, which means he can learn from the, um, from these experiences, from the, uh, for the strategy that was shaped by Prophet Muhammad and gave guidance, Muhammad gave guidance to, the, uh, to Muslims in order to follow him 
to advance their goals, which means at the end of the day, the Islamic goals. I'm not sure all of our listeners will know what do you mean, if, if you may uh, just, uh, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the Hudaybiyah strategy. So Muhammad left the uh, city of Mecca and moved to the city of Medina because he was uh, prosecuted by the uh, Quraysh tribe. And when he moved to Medina, he established a new uh, society, a new state, an Islamic state, and formed in, uh, a coalition with uh, the infidels, with the Jewish uh, tribes in order to build a new entity. Later, he reached uh, an agreement with the uh, Quraysh tribe, Hudaybiyah, which is uh, an agreement for a Hudna, which is a ceasefire for 10 years. And the idea behind it, it was a tactical move in order at the end of the day to take over Mecca. And that's exactly what he did. Understand. Okay, many people think uh, political uh, Islam has many faces and they uh, differentiate between the northern branch of the Israeli Islamist party that uh, I, I guess is uh, being uh, stated out of the law in Israel and the southern one led by Abbas, uh, which is uh, legitimate in Israel. Even Abbas' uh, spiritual patrons have undergone change. Sheikh Abdallah Nimr Darwish, who founded the Islamist movement in Israel and spent uh, time in jail for a subversive activity, became a prominent envoy of peace and reconciliation in his later years. Why do you think they cannot be believed? Why do you think it's so solid and it will not be changed through a, a sitting together in coalitions, cooperating, living together, together etc.? The issue of believing to the other side is, uh, is more complex. So we have two levels of pragmatism and Islamism. Which one should I believe in? We have to understand the, uh, this, uh, uh, his statement on both levels and try to uh, get, get deep into his, his strategy. So I just give you, an ex you know, a few examples. So one of the senior leaders of the uh, Islamic movement which is the uh, uh, Islamic movement, the uh, organization that uh, uh, has his party run in parliament, in the Israeli parliament, in the Knesset. And he uh, described the riots in Israel in May, to, uh, May last year as a religious war, not as uh, grievances against uh, you know, um, uh, discrimination and other things. No, religious war, and he said, that this war is only illustration of 1% of the next, the next religious war, the big one, that in which Muslims will deport all Jews from all Palestine. So should we believe him? And we have another- By the way, uh, who you are talking about, by the way? He is one of the senior uh, leaders of the Islamic movement. Is a Knesset member or a... No, no, not a Knesset oh, member. No, okay. No, no. Okay. okay. He, uh, no. And another one, he's uh, the uh, uh, director of the uh, Institute for, Islam for Islamic Addicts, Islamic rulings uh, in the Islamic party, in the Islamic movement, and southern branch, not the northern one. Another one, also very senior official, leader of the, uh, uh, of the Islamic uh, movement, he in, 
a few, um, in a several occasions, uh, prayed uh, to Allah to destroy, to eliminate, or in, the, in relation to Al-Aqsa and in relation to Al-Quds, to Jerusalem, to eliminate till the last one, don't spare any of them, of those who attacked and inflicted injustice on Muslims. So from the context, you can understand that he is talking about the enemies of the Muslims of in, 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 in Palestine. Should we believe him? So it's not just a question of believing or not believing to this statement or to that statement. We have to look into the entire picture. And for that, we have, we have to do, that's what I did with my research, is documentation, analysis, and assessment. And in this regard, I want to mention one more thing about you mentioned Darwish. And this is part of the documentation. In 2016, the Islamic movement held an event commemorating the achievements and his life uh, uh, full of struggle for Islamic values of uh, Darwish. And in this event, the former leader of the Islamic uh, movement, Ibrahim Abdallah Sarsour, presented a video from uh, Abdallah Azam. Abdallah Azam was talking in this video. Abdallah Azam is one of the founders of mm -hmm. Al-Qaeda. He, he was a Palestinian preacher and scholar. And he presented Abdallah Azam as one of the great, uh, greatest leaders of our movement. And Abdallah Azam in this video praised uh, Darwish and also Ahmad Yassin as those who are leading the Islamic revolution, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, by the way, Abdel Azam was assassinated by the Russians in 1989. Yes, yes, I know. So is that also, we should believe that as representing the Islamic movement? Or maybe the new strategy of Mansour Abbas? So there is a gap between the pragmatism and the Islamism, and we have to understand, to analyze why there is a gap and whether the Islamic movement accepts and also um, um, take new decisions new um, about the, its policy. I haven't seen that right now. So we have still, we have seen, uh, seen this gap between pragmatism and Islamism. I know, uh, you know, I want to ask you a hard uh, follow-up question because, uh, yes. okay. and I know uh, your researchers are uh, well-known and uh, solid, uh, solidly based by, but you know, if I go to the other side, uh, an Arab, uh, an Israeli Arab, or a Palestinian, or a, or a Muslim can tell me. Listen, look at at the, at the Israelis, the Jewish mm -hmm. Israelis. There is a large portion. It's getting, by the way, larger. That mm -hmm. dreams and speaks about uh, establishing the the you know the Bet Hamikdash, the the temple. Mm -hmm. uh, it it will have to come on, on the place of of Haram uh, Sharif. People are talking about this to the two sides of Jordan River. Yeah, you know, the promised land is in Iraq, and uh, the, uh, every every side is dreaming about its uh, their uh, wishes and dreams and uh, and prophecies and, and the sacred book. But but the secret of life is uh, getting 
pragmatist. And, and isn't it what we see from Abbas, even in the very fact that he joined the, the, the coalition, that, uh, that he said uh, not long ago that Israel is a Jewish state and it, it is not going to, to be changed. And you know, in the riots that you just mentioned, he even uh, visited the, a synagogue in, in Lod and said that they, they will cooperate in renewing it, et cetera, et cetera. You, say, you, you just say, no, listen, this is what they really think and that's it. I didn't say that this is exactly what they think. I said that that's exactly what they say and that's exactly what they mean. Uh, so we have to look first into, you know, into Ram, the party, and into the institutions of the Islamic movement with the higher hierarchy and look into the, their decision, the charter of Ram and also the position of the Islamic movement, the head of the, the leader of the Islamic movement. So these are uh, the people who have the authority to shape the policy. So if, you, uh, if we want to look into uh, signs of uh, pragmatism and a change, I'm not talking about tactic pragmatism, we should also see that in the decision in, in the charter of Brown. But the charter talks about the struggle, the conflict, the basic conflict, with the Zionist movement and also warns Israelis, basically warn Jews, the Israeli Jews, and advises them to remember what happened with Salah Adin, which means goes back to the same message that I mentioned before about the religious war. And uh, with relation to the policy of the, of the Islamic movement, I haven't noticed anything that changes the, uh, the basics, belief in the principles of Islam, which means the Sunnah and the Quran. I want to uh, now to contact you to the other things that are going in the Middle East, because I want to understand if you are talking only about uh, the inner Israeli arena with Ram and the, and the Israeli Arabs, because, or you, you, you can uh, translate uh, your thinking to the, to the Middle East, because the Middle East, as, I, as you know, is uh, undergoing a process of reconciliation, maybe except, except of Iran, uh, the Abraham Accords uh, that opened doors for Israel throughout the Gulf, Morocco that signed the defense agreement with Israel, Egyptians are going out of the way to be friendly, even Erdogan, an Islamist himself, uh, is uh, energetically quoting Israeli President Herzog. Uh, so what do you think about the all phenomena? And Erdogan, uh, let's uh, not forget, is a, I think it's a sister party of, of Ram in Israel. Um, the, uh, it's all connected to the uh, Muslim Brotherhood in this way or another. And the center of the uh, Muslim Brotherhood shifted from Egypt to Turkey after the revolution in 2013. And the, uh, what we can see in the Middle East, uh, the, there's a major change in the last decade. And it all started after the after Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states understood that the threat that embodied in Iran policy to the region is far more dangerous than any challenge uh, imposed by, by Israel. So that's led them and other countries to work together on uh, regional alliances against Iran. And all of them are afraid 
of building the Shiite crescent in the Middle East, which means connecting Iran, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon. And we also see the involvement of Iran in, in, uh, in Yemen, in other, in other parts of the world, also in, in Asia, etc. So they understand that this threat is real, is imminent, and you can also read, they also read the, the, the threat, the direct threat at the Saudi regime to overthrow the regime, to take over the, this land, the Saudi Arabia and the Gulf, and this is uh, Bahrain, of course, and other, other countries are an Iranian-occupied land by, by the Gulf states. So that opened the door for the impossible. Impossible treaties, alliances between Israel and the Gulf states. So why not think positive and say that uh, the same happens with the Ram, that uh, now he, he came to a conclusion that it's more important for him to, 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 to act, uh, uh, to, to uh, improve the life of his voters than to uh, go on with this jihad uh, that, you know, right now there is no real, uh, Israel is not under the existential threat. But you know what? I think I think we we understood each other in this point. I want to ask you, who yes. do you think is to be blamed for this normalization or normalizing relations with Abbas, bringing him into Israeli government? The thing that if you told me that it will happen, I guess one or two years ago, I would ask you to 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 check yourself. No, look, it's not a question of blaming someone for that. Uh, it's um, an issue of understanding how all these processes started. And to the credit of uh, Mansour Abbas, he stated his policy from day one after he was elected to the leader uh, of the of, of Ram. And he said that very clearly that he's open to negotiate and to work together with the right wing and the left wing. And um, as we see, he played the cards very well. And according to him, he managed to get a better price, a better achievement, much better achievement with this coalition. So, and for him, I think that the, ah, and the one, one more thing about it, he also stated not only him, but also others, that was the common uh, policy of uh, Ram and the Islamic movement. They wanted to overthrow Netanyahu. That was the first priority for them. And I'm not sure that these messages were well read by Israeli politicians. What do you mean? It's interesting. So uh, I, can, I can describe again what they said. They said that our first priority is to get rid of Netanyahu for his right-wing uh, government and from his policy, his dangerous for, the, uh, for their cause. And that was well before, the, or even during the negotiation with, uh, with Netanyahu during the last two years. So this, this message was repeated uh, over this period. I'm not sure I agree with you as a sitting here and covering it on a daily basis. I think, that Abbas preferred Netanyahu. Abbas, uh, the, 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 the romance, the, the courtship, it began with Netanyahu. He was invited four times to the prime minister's house 
And he said, and he even acted as if he prefers Netanyahu. By the way, not because of ideology, but because he believed Netanyahu, for Netanyahu it would be easier to give him what he needs, the billions of shekels and the, the, all the, the, the new laws, etc. Because the, way this, the current government is, is so weak. Netanyahu, is, if he would be able to... To, to form a government, he could be stronger and, and pay the, the payment in a more efficient way. But you are saying totally different. You are saying Abbas was such a great uh, poker player that uh, mm-hmm. he, he, just, he just he wanted to look like uh, someone that pre- prefers Netanyahu and the right. And then you know, in the last moment, he, he went with the, with the central left and right this uh, very strange government. Did I understand it? Uh, did I understand you uh, right? That's exactly what I, what I understand from Mahmoud, Mahmoud Abbas' uh, statement. So he just played like a Persian bazaar and he managed to take the higher price with, the, uh, with this government. And, and he it. played it very, very skillfully. Yes, he is a very good player. And uh, will, do you think that Abbas will have uh, in the future significant tools with which to uh, uh, wield a sufficient influence on the Israeli political map that would endanger the state's Jewish and the identity? Will, will it, uh, is, is there a potential to, to, to go there? So what is, the, what is Abbas' uh, policy? What is his stand on... The, on Palestine, Eretz Israel. So Abbas does not recognize the Jewishness of the land. He even mocking Judaism for that. Uh, and he denies the, uh, his, uh, the Jewish uh, relation, to the uh, historic and religious relation to, uh, to uh, the Temple Mount, to uh, even the uh, Wailing Wall and the Jerusalem in general, and of course, to, to the entire Palestine. So, and for, from his perspective, as he presents that, he right now accepts the reality of Israel as a Jewish state, as decided by the Jewish people, not by him. He was not asked to accept it or to recognize it. And he, as he said, uh, on, in his interview with the Washington Institute, yeah, he said that there will be a discussion about the identity of the Jewish of the Jewishness of the of the state. On this, and at the same time, Abbas has not uh, concealed his position about the uh, uh, the Zionist movement. He depicted the, uh, and he said that our conflict. Our, which means in, in that context, which means, and he said that by the way in Ramallah, which means of the entire Palestinian uh, people, also those who came uh, from, from, uh, from Israel, is the Zionist enemy. This is his own language. And by the way, he said, we came from the interior of the interior of 48. And the name of his movement is the Islamic movement in the 48 area, not in Israel, in the 48, and also other organizations that affiliated and run by the Islamic movement use the same name, the interior does not say Israel. So it's very significant. So what you ask basically is whether 
Mansour Abbas or the Islamic movement will support someday separatism. And um, that depends on many, many factors. And I believe that the most important one is the establishment of a, a Palestinian state in the West Bank. And that will be a huge factor that will have an impact on the, relations, on the relationship between uh, minorities in Israel and the state. And of course, there's another factor here, which is also uh, highly important, is the position of the northern branch of the Islamic uh, movement, and specifically Raid Salah. And Raid Salah is not happy, to say the least, from the change, uh, the pragmatism, the pragmatic uh, policy of uh, Mansour Abbas, and just uh, a week ago, he met with uh, senior officials of the, uh, of the Islamic party, and basically on that. And another factor is the young generation. And that also will have an effect on the policy of the old guard of the Islamic, uh, of the Islamic movement. So uh, let's try to summarize our conversation, mm -hmm. our very interesting conversation in this uh, next question, a final question, because over the mm -hmm. years, first as an intelligence officer uh, and then as a journalist and a blogger, you've tried to expose what you called the true face of the Arabs in general and the Palestinians specifically. You argued that the, the end game of all the peace agreements that Arab states have signed with Israel is to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And yet Israel is stronger than ever. It doesn't face a real threat to its existence. Most of those who were its bitter enemies in the past are now partners in peace. Where did you go wrong or did you? And do you th still think that uh, what we are seeing is a long campaign, overall campaign, to destroy us with a few intermissions here and there, and uh, that Israel must not be tempted to sign peace agreements with the Arabs because uh, it's a trap? Uh, first, uh, one uh, correction. I didn't say that all peace agreements um, uh, are intended to destroy Israel. I was focused on the uh, policy of uh, the Palestinian Authority under Yasser Arafat and Mahmoud Abbas and presented their views, their policy, and tried to reconcile between the uh, political level and the ideological level. So, but, and, and this is my, also was my mission with the Islamic party. The most important thing is first of all, to understand what is the position of the other side. This is the intelligence uh, assignment that I uh, put on myself. The decision is totally different thing. And this is upon the, the policymakers. It's not upon myself. They can see the entire pictures and they have so many factors that are related to it. Relationship with the US. Um, uh, if you want one small thing, the uh, funding of the Iron Dome missile, for example, this is also a huge factor. Uh, Turkey, Iran, the, uh, uh, the nuclear threat, um, you have even politics plays in. So it's uh, their decision of the policy of policymakers have ta must take so many factors in consideration. And I cannot, you know, I will accept it. Any decision is legitimate. I'm not getting into that. I'm only focused on the intelligence side. There is only one factor in making decisions. And, um, uh, and, I, for, and also another factor, which is 
highly important is the national resilience of the Israeli people. And that you saw in 2000, when Ehud Barak pulled out of, uh, of Lebanon, because that was a major factor. The Israel could not anymore uh, stayed in the same position, in uh, military position in Lebanon. So we have so many factors. Each one of the decisions that are made by the government is of course legitimate when they take the entire picture. I only contributed in one specific area, which is an effort to understand the positions of Mansour Abbas and the Islamic party and try to reconcile between pragmatism and Islamism. And I assure you, it's very interesting. The situation, as you know, is so complex uh, and no one has, uh, you know, the final uh, uh, truth. Uh, and uh, by, uh, but, but, but by any means, uh, I enjoyed it very much. And I want to thank you, uh, Yonatan Dachucha Levi, for this conversation, uh, joining, uh, joining us here in, uh, on Israel. Thank you very much. And we'll be right back after this short uh, break. Thank you, Yonatan. Toda. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and the Normal Soup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Caspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. Thank you for staying with us. This was a different conversation. If you're following this podcast, you know uh, if, uh, our guests' opinions are not familiar or too common uh, here in Israel, but it's still very uh, interesting. And uh, when I asked him, Lieutenant uh, Colonel uh, Jonathan Alevi, uh, if he believes Mansour Abbas from Ram, he said that uh, the issue of believing is complex. Uh, it's not a question of believe this guy or the other guy. It's a question of uh, trying to understand from within the, the complex situation. And uh, he quoted one of the, uh, the senior leaders in Ram, in the Islamist movement, this uh, Israeli uh, Arab party that is in the Israeli coalition uh, uh, these days, that they described uh, during the riots in May, where uh, when uh, a lot of Israeli Arabs were uh, rioting in the, against their uh, uh, neighbors, uh, the Jews, that uh, he described it as a religious war. And not only a, re a religious war, he said uh, that uh, it resembles only one, it's an illustration of 1% of the real war, the real religious war that will follow up in the future. So Alevi's case is actually saying that we have to look at the, the entire picture, uh, not a case of uh, believing this guy or the other guy. And I think he, 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 
is talking about us telling ourselves a story and believing uh, the story that we are telling ourselves instead of looking at the hard evidence. And he also said that he is not seeing a real change in the Ram Party's ideology. And uh, they are still advising Israelis all the time to remember Salah Hadin, that was the, the Muslim uh, commander that uh, kicked the, the, the Christians from the Middle East. Another thing is that Yonatan uh, Alevi said and told us that from the Mansour Abbas's own perspective, joining the coalition in Israel uh, is, is even the very fact that, uh, that the Muslims are in the Israeli coalition is hurting uh, the, the legitimacy of Israel as a Jewish state. And, uh, and uh, Alevi also said that uh, two things cannot be denied, the, the pragmatism. We see pragmatism in Mansour Abbas, it's uh, undeniable, but also the Islamism. And the, the challenge is uh, to reconcile or try to reconcile between these two pillars. And uh, Levy is not sure that the, the final result will be what we are uh, aiming at. And the core of the, of the Levy uh, theory is that uh, the base, uh, or the, the, his research showed that the base of the agenda, even now, of Abbas and his party, is the Hudaybiyah, the prophecies of Muhammad that, uh, that Actually, the, the analyzing it is that we are now, now making peace with you in order to, to fight you later when we will be stronger. Uh, so uh, I hope later uh, we will have a different and uh, brighter future. And I hope you, uh, you found it, uh, this, this conversation interesting. And uh, I'll try to find you here next week uh, in the same place, at the same time, on Israel and Monitor. I'm Ben Kaspi. From Tel Aviv, thank you, take care, bye-bye.